0: All right, y'all, so we're gonna start off a little different this week. We got some takes with me and my guy, Bear in here. We go over a variety of different topics. We talk about the Ja Morant situation, the Zion situation, some more specific stuff. So we have a little debate in here, you know, about Steph Curry's position as a point guard or a shooting guard. We got a few different things we talked about. Also, the Women's College Basketball Championship. You know we have to talk about that. But I'm going to start off solo dolo here and we'll have my guy Barrett back on next week. And I'm just going to look through this bracket and tell y'all what I think in terms of some of these matchups. You know, I got to get my predictions out there. Shout out to my guy Dribble the Swordsman. Y'all go give him a follow. That's my guy. A one day one been supporting me forever he brought up the bracket this is real last minute so i'm gonna just try to do a little speed run of this bracket right quick and get my predictions on the tape and we'll see how it unfolds so we're gonna start in the less interesting conference in my opinion we're gonna start with the east you know i feel like the celtics and the bucks are really about to dominate all these other teams over there so honestly like I'm not really stunned what these other teams are doing. The Sixers, look, man, I'm never falling for the fool's gold of the Sixers. I'm just not. But let's go in order. Let's go in order. I digress. I digress. So who we got? So we got Toronto and Chicago. You know, they, uh, I believe Chicago won that playing game. Shout out to DeMar Derozan's daughter screaming and getting them <laughs> distracted from being able to see what was going on. So in regards to... That matchup between, I believe, is Atlanta and Chicago because uh, Miami lost that playing game. I'm going to have to take Atlanta. I think their offense is better. I think Trey Young is more dynamic than anyone on the Bulls, but it'll be interesting because at the end of the day, both teams' defenses are not very good, so that's not a series I'm going to be very interested in to watch, but then as we get to some of these other brackets, that's where it gets a little more interesting. So I'm taking a look, you know, we got Boston. So we're gonna have to see who wins that series between Atlanta and Chicago, I believe. But if we're looking at some of the other ones that are set, Cleveland, New York, oh, that's gonna be an extremely, extremely fun series to watch. So I actually will pay attention to that. FYI, you know, the Cavs are a team that I picked Earlier this season to do very, very well this year. So I'm going to go ahead and take my victory lap on that. They have one of the best offenses and one of the best defenses. So that is going to be very interesting to see. I will say between Cleveland and New York, I'm definitely going to take the Cavs on that one. If we move down a little bit and take a look at the 76ers and the Nets, that one, I'm obviously going to take the Sixers, but I just got to tip my cap on what the Nets have been able to do post trading Kyrie. And KD, like, shout out to Mikhail Bridges. He is one of my favorite players in the league. I love defense and I just love his story and seeing what he's been able to do offensively. I gotta love seeing a guy show up and show out like that on another team. Okay, so as for the Bucks, I believe okay, so they the Bucks should be facing the Bulls. And then the Celtics should be facing the Hawks. Okay, I got it. All right, y'all. I'm 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 caught I'm caught up, okay? I was messing up at first, but here we are. So it is the Bucks versus the Bulls. Obviously, we know who's winning that. Need I say more? I mean, come on, you have Giannis and Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday. They're clamping the hell out of Chicago. GG's, as for the Celtics and the Hawks. Although I think the Celtics are going to clear and win that very easily. I mean, they clear offensively. They clear defensively. Their versatility on the bench is way better. However, as a, as a person that grew up in Atlanta, it, you know, it will be nice to see them have a nice little back and forth with a really good team. And it'll just be good for the city overall. But at the end of the day, if we're talking hoops, the Celtics should win that the Celtics should win that so if we're getting a little deeper into the brackets let's take a moment here so if we're taking a look at the people that I picked to win so that would be uh the Celtics advancing to the next round that would be the Sixers advancing to the next round the Cavs advancing and the Bucks advancing so if we got the Bucks versus Cavs I must say y'all that is very intriguing that is a very intriguing series to me. I don't know, man. I mean, the Bucks should win it, but it's going to be very interesting to see a team have the likes of Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell go against that defensive juggernaut in the Bucks, because the Cavs offense absolutely clears the Bucks, but the Bucks defense, it doesn't quite clear the Cavs. Let's be clear. That's the thing that makes this intriguing. The Bucks defense doesn't clear the Cavs. The Cavs' defense is actually pretty, pretty good. But I would really like to see how some of those matchups go because although the Bucks shouldn't be the favorite in that, I do think we can get some really entertaining basketball. But at the end of the day, if I have to pick, I'm going to pick the Bucks. We'll say maybe like in six. I honestly think that series can go six or seven. So between the 76ers and the Celtics, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm picking the Celtics, man. I'm pilt- I'm picking the Celtics in 6, and here's why. The Celtics are better defensively, and I would say they're on par offensively, you know, the 76ers in the half court, I would say are a little better. However, I think the Celtics chemistry, I think their versatility, you know, down their roster I think that would help them. And then at the end of the day, the Sixers have two guys that have a history of flopping and fouling out in the playoffs. So I feel like the Celtics should win that series at least in six games, at least. So then if we have a faceoff between the Bucks and the Celtics, oh my God, I would love to see that. Please, 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 basketball guys. We need a rematch of that with Giannis having Chris Middleton on his side and Brooke Lopez, that's my defensive player of the year pick, y'all. Brooke Lopez is my defensive player of the year pick. We need to see that, ladies and gentlemen. But let's take a break right quick. I got a banger pot for y'all with me and my guy Barrett. Them give my guy a follow. I'm gonna pop his social medias right here. I'll have his social medias linked in the description. But before we get into this week's episode, I just want to thank. The sponsor for this week's POTS episode and every POTS episode, Patreon. Shout out to all of my people at Patreon. All of my Patreons are the reason I'm able to sit here and spend all this time editing putting this pod together, coming up with these topics, and still having time to stream. So if you guys would like to further support the podcast or anything like that, you guys can pull up to Patreon, subscribe for whatever tier you want. But aside from that, another way you can support the pod is just by liking and commenting and sharing and retweeting. So I appreciate everyone listening to this week's pod episode. We're going to get into it right now. Let's go. All right. All right. We're back. We're back. So... What I was saying about the Bucs-Celtics look, man, the fact that Giannis took the Celtics to Game 7 last year without his right-hand man and partner in offensive crime, Chris Middleton, makes me feel like if they run it back, I do still think that series goes 6 or 7, but I feel like the Bucks should win that. However, what I would say is, the Celtics, once again, they got that guy Jalen Brown. They got the guy Jason Tatum. But if I gotta sit here and think, look, look, I've seen Jalen Brown take over and put on that cape for Jason Tatum a few times. So honestly, I can't really say how I feel right now about Jason Tatum. You know, I'm a little mixed. We need to get some Celtics fans on the pods. So if there's any Celtics fans out there listening, we need you on the pot so we can talk to you. But let's move over to the Western Conference. But if I gotta pick between Celtics and Bucks, my final pick is gonna be Bucks in seven. Okay, so moving to the West, moving to the West, y'all. This is where it gets real interesting because obviously I'm a Warriors fan, but we're gonna go through with the bracket, right? So we got. OKC, I believe, won their matchup between them and the Pelicans, and then we have the Lakers that won between them and the Grizzlies. So we have the Lakers versus the Grizzlies, and OKC versus Denver. All right, OKC versus Denver, that's going to be an offensive showdown that, honestly, I will not be watching. I'm going to let y'all know right now. I'm not watching that. I'm not watching that. I'm I'm good. But the Lakers versus Grizzlies, though, I might have my eyes on that series. I'm not going to lie. That's going to be pretty entertaining. I'm just imagining Jaws' antics, LeBron's antics, entertainment wise, is going to be great. Basketball wise, I'm going to be honest, guys. I don't enjoy watching the Lakers. I don't particularly enjoy them. However, I'm more interested in seeing how a lot of these pieces can possibly fit together in the playoffs and just seeing what type of chemistry the Lakers can build. Because honestly, AD has been on its hair near the end of the season. So, I'm really not putting anything past him. If LeBron can stay healthy, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. Okay, so aside from that Lakers series, so if we got OKC and Denver, Denver should clear. They have a, I wouldn't, yeah, they have a deeper bench, you know, in terms of talent-wise. But um, OKC is a really good team. They pushed a lot of good teams. But at the end of the day, the Nuggets have the best player on the court. And in the playoff series, I feel like that's what matters when it really comes down to it. So as for the other brackets, you know, we're getting warmer, we're getting warmer. We got the suns and the clippers. Okay, that is gonna be really interesting. But the problem is, you know, I went into my guy Dime Dropper Spaces other day, and I was informed that Paul George is gonna be out for a good chunk of the series so I was leaning the Clippers because they have way more depth than the Suns do but honestly like having one of your main wings out is not a good look where you're gonna have to defend Katie and Booker man I don't know man I don't know so as for that series if Paul George was healthy I would say Clippers in six or seven but honestly because it's the Suns and Paul George is out I think I'm gonna have to go Suns and six, y'all. I think that's gonna be my final projection for that series. All right, y'all, so then, you know, we really get down to it. We're finally here, y'all. This is what everybody wants to see. The Warriors versus Kings. Look, man, I'm gonna just start off by saying congrats to the Kings and congrats to Mike Brown for getting coach of the year. It is extremely, extremely well-deserved. Extremely well-deserved, man. He did the thing. He went over there, completely changed the trajectory of that franchise. And shout out to the stars over there, too. De'Aaron Fox showing up and showing out. DeMontis Sabonis, a shout out. Your dad is one of my favorite players. Uh, Arvidius Sabonis, hope I can do a video with him one day. But as for this series, y'all, look, 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 look. Kings fans, Kings fans, look. Just enjoy the moment, little bro. Just enjoy the moment. Don't get too caught up. And getting ahead of yourself and talking that champ talk, we got some real chips sitting across from me. okay? Just enjoy the show. That's all I'm saying, Kings fans. Just enjoy the show. You already know, like, Happy your stadium about to have Warriors fans anyway. So, look, just enjoy this. I'm going to take Warriors in five or six I would say six. I think the Kings can take two games off simply because of the Warriors missing one of their key players in Andrew Wiggins and how that might potentially affect guys coming off the bench like Moody and Kaminga who have kind of gotten a groove. However, those same two players, Moody and Kaminga, are going to be extremely big X factors. At the end of the day, this is what I sa- I'll i say about the Warriors. I said it before and I'll say it again. The Warriors' versatility down the stretch of the playoffs between that and their motion offense where the defenders on the other team have to chase them around more than they ever had to chase players in any other series it really really wears down on you when one team has to stick to an eight-man rotation and the words can possibly go 10 or 11 deep at times with some of these pieces they have on the bench although we are smaller which is still a little bit of a concern and it's not a concern because oh the words can't play small for me it's more of a concern because we have a lack of bodies to rotate if someone gets injured or to reduce minutes on Draymond or Looney playing the five they can do it but we'll see how they hold up but as for the words when I'm talking about their depth men they have the likes of Dante DiVincenzo, who is literally one of the best rebounding guards in the league. That is extremely important when we're talking about playing small. Moses Moody, I've seen the capability of him to be able to put himself in incredible positions for rebound and be able to compensate for his lack of athleticism with his high IQ. That's a common trait between Moses Moody and Dante DiVincenzo, right? And then we got Andrew Wiggins coming back and he's going to be on a minutes restriction, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so happy to hear that he's back with the team and that he's getting acclimated. But ladies and gentlemen, the Warriors have had one of the best five-man rotations on offense and defense with, I believe, it goes Steph Curry, Kavon Looney, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Andrew Wiggins. I believe that's the best five men offense and defense in the league throughout the season and the guys that i mentioned a lot of them have been in and out of the lineup clay barely played back to back steph makes 27 games wiggins missed god knows how many games but at the end of the day the main guys that need to have chemistry with each other do That's the scary part, ladies and gentlemen. That is the scary part. So that's what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about any matchup. You know, a lot of people like to disrespect Kavan Looney, but I've seen this man lock up uh, prime James Harden, man. I've seen him lock up prime James Harden. He doesn't have to be the best center in the world to be effective and to be a winner. And at the end of the day, Demacis Sabonis is great. Like, he's had a great, amazing season literally not taking anything away from him but I've seen what Kavon Looney has done at the highest level year in and year out we can refer back to the Grizzlies series last year so if the concern is Sabonis, I think we have somebody that can stop Sabonis between Draymond and Looney I'm taking them so as for the rest of the West let's check out the bracket right quick so that's my take on the Kings Worries Kings that's my rationale basketball wise we will be doing some film study Make sure you guys join the discord, I'll put the link to that in the description as well because we will be doing live watch parties in the discord for a lot of these games so definitely pull up. So if we have the Warriors winning in 6 on my bracket, that brings the Suns in 6 so that makes the Warriors versus Suns conference final matchup, look man, I'm gonna go more in depth on a potential Warriors-Suns matchup in next week's pod episode but in short. I think that series should go to six or seven, but I'm going to take the Warriors because once again, their versatility and their ability to wear on the other team physically with all their motion offense, I think that can really wear on a team that doesn't have that much depth like the Suns. And I think that brings us to a Warriors and Bucks matchup in the finals and which honestly, man, I can't call it. But I'm going to go all the way with my words and seven men. That's going to be a tough series. But let's get into this, the rest was of this interesting about the five man lineup. So this is still the best five man lineup on offense and defense. Who would have thought I because I know like our numbers have been very up and down with all the injuries and stuff. But I just thought this was interesting. Holding out until the end of the season is still true. So, I mean, I definitely when I'm looking at who's not in this picture, we got Jordan Poole. Dante Divincenzo, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, I'm forgetting somebody. You got Anthony Lim as well, Jermichael Green. I mean Looney or well, Looney's in here, so I think I hit most of the people that would actually get minutes. But honestly, like I was telling you the other day, like I really like that bench rotation at this point. I wasn't as confident before. I am still concerned about the size. That's extremely concerning and guys holding up health wise with us playing so small oh gp2 that's who else i forgot but the defense of this team should be great once they start getting their chemistry back the defense should be great um so i would like to see how that looks unfortunately wiggins is going to be out the last two games of the season so we're not going to get to see but maybe we can see some practice footage or something like that, but that was just kind of interesting. So this is the scenario. So let's see. So if we get, so we have to go based off other teams. So I'm gonna screenshot this for future reference tomorrow.
1: Mhm. So... I saw like um. I also saw like a cause. I mean, I for me, it's just it's for me. It's it's about their health. Like if they're fully healthy, like I'll I'll take them. In a playoff, in a playoff series, any day of the week, like over everybody, like, unless it's a team that's you know so scary and respected for what they've done this season so far, like if it's not a Boston or a Milwaukee, there's no one in the West that I can confident, confidently say would beat Golden State in a seven-game series. Even with Phoenix having that starting line that they have and having that much firepower that I talked about, that I feel like it's going to make them super hard to beat, and with Sacramento and how young and, and how well they play together and how good they look offensively, I'm not taking any of them over Golden State if Golden State's fully healthy. I think it was like yesterday and it was like at midnight or something. I was like about to go to bed and I was on Twitter and I saw a poll and it was um it, the poll was uh. Who would you take in a seven game series if fully healthy and it was Golden State and Phoenix, and mm. the options were like phoenix from from four to five or six and seven, and then golden state four to five and six and seven and at first, like I remember picking i i didn't read the i didn't read the the question fully, and I didn't see the part that says i didn't read the fully healthy I just saw who who would you pick in a in a in a seven-game series, like oh, okay, well, I mean, right now Phoenix just because of the health, Phoenix. right. But now I looked at the thing. I looked at the rest of the question and said fully healthy. I was like, oh, no, 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 like I instantly, like I was like, no, 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 like, like I was, like I was like semi-confident in like the Phoenix Suns, like me picking the Suns to win if if Golden State wasn't healthy. And then as soon as I saw the you know they're fully healthy for, I was like, oh, hell no, like easy, like easy, Golden State in six games. Six and seven, six games, and like that's how confident I. That's that's how that's how much faith I have in them. Like just as a team. I mean, they've been playing together for these for all these years. They know how it's it it's one thing like when when you have teams that have played so long together, especially their core players, even as they age and they can't necessarily keep up, or uh, on a defensive end, or they're not like they don't they're not. They're not as you know quick and as, as sharp as they were you know when they're younger, because they play for so longer. The amount of time that they play together and like the gel that, that that creates between them that gets tighter and tighter with every year that goes by, that makes up for it. So I'm not worried about these guys you know getting older and getting to the point where they can't play every time. Like they're gonna lose in one-on-one scenarios. They're gonna they're gonna get burnt here and there. They're gonna get beat. Like on plays, they'll get beat on plays, obviously. But as a team, I'm not worried about their their defensive their defense or their offense as a team collectively. Because as time goes on and you play with the same dudes over and over again, it just becomes second nature. And you don't need a game plan. You don't need a drawing board. You don't need you know. You, All you need is communication, communication and knowing your role, like that you've been doing this entire time. And that's all you need. And you'll win. You'll beat anybody.
0: And then they have these and then they got the young guys now. That's the part that's that's the the part that's kind of like, okay, other teams, the Warriors at any time can take Draymond out and put in Kaminga. They could take they can decide what do what do we want to go for? Do we want to go for defense? Do we want to go for offense? Do we want something that's balanced? We can put Moody at the three, Wiggins at the four, Draymond at the five. Like they have so many options that is scary because the other teams have to keep playing the same way. And I just feel like one of the underrated parts of the offense is how much it wears the other team down in a seven game series versus, yeah, maybe a team is able to beat them in a a one, one game or a game series in the season but when they get to the playoffs and they have to chase all these guys around it's mentally draining to have to worry about all these backdoors cu- backdoor cuts or Steph running off the ball and distracting you like mentally and then physically the more you keep playing them it wears on you more than the average team which is the part that i think has happened in a lot of their series like say with the Rockets series you know harder having to chase people around defense and then go back on offense and be so ball dominant that's what i'm thinking about say a team like phoenix Devin booker and kevin durant are gonna have to be not extremely ball dominant but they're gonna have to like facilitate and have the ball in their hands a lot it's just a little more difficult i think than when they play someone else where their offense somebody you're gonna catch someone resting on defense on a lot of these other teams but the worst you're not really going to catch that break to be able to stand and breathe if you're guarding Steph, you're not going to get time to just stand there while he's standing in the corner and just stand there and take that possession off those little gaps in between plays i think really make a difference when you're talking about going six games or seven games with someone and then being able to stay mentally engaged when you're playing good defense and they're hitting extremely difficult shots like I could imagine how the Celtics felt when uh, Jordan Poole hit that three-pointer for like half court and it's like, what the hell am I supposed to get <laughs> Yeah. Like, I'm like, if I'm them, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Or when Steph comes in, he's shooting 45% on pull up threes. What are you supposed to do? You're literally fouling him and it's not getting called and he's still making it. So those are some of the things I think pile up when they play these other guys and it all comes together where i feel like the longer this series goes the better chance they have so as long Mm. as they're not getting swept which never happens then they usually i think have the advantage over the other team because their guys are used to running way more like they're just used to it i feel like the stamina of the warriors guys has to be some of the best in the league the way all of them move more than the average players at their position so it's like when you get into it it, right when you get into it and you get to these other teams that are used to standing still and taking a break off against these other teams you don't get that and I think it wears into their legs and their efficiency the longer they go so that's my thing with the versatility that they have because the fact that they can sit Steph and sit Clay and go for a different look with the lineups and go with like a Moody and like these are really talented guys Moody Jordan Poole Kaminga like they're extremely talented the only thing they're lacking is experience but these guys have played playoff minutes here and there Jordan Poole has played in the playoffs in the finals he's stronger he's better he's way more stable on the court so I'm just looking at the talent is there as long as they're healthy I would love to see them compete against anybody because I think watching them figure it out like they did last season when they barely played together that was a journey because i was like how are they gonna mesh how are they gonna save clay's legs how are they gonna get Steph some rest who can step up i feel like this time around we have a lot more dudes who can step up they're smaller (laughs) they're smaller like Dante and Jordan Poole and Moody versus like having Otto Porter and uh last year you know but for what we lack in the size the team makes up for in defense and skill so that's going to be interesting seeing if that can actually sustain in the playoffs i don't know i I don't think it's really been done with the amount of guards that they have like it's they have a lot of guys that are like six six feet and below but at the end of the day if you can still defend and your guys can play bigger than they are i guess we'll see if that really matters at the end of the day I'm starting to feel like it might not matter the way they played against OKC because if they can get their stops defensively, the guys that can get out and facilitate now on this team is crazy. So that's going to be interesting to see. The I just love what he said right here. Like, this is a crazy level of maturity.
1: Kerr Ker mentioned that when he and Bob talked to you a little while ago just about your situation, not playing much, that you said... I came to the NBA to to develop, not if I wanted to develop in college, I would have done that. And just w- when did that dawn on you? Is that something you knew already? And that's a pretty mature thing for somebody to say this early in their
0: career. Yeah, uh, when I was in college, uh, my coach, he, he had a thing for a lot of grad transfers. So we had a lot of grad transfers that came in. And me as a freshman, like I would hear them talk about basketball and talk about the game in ways that I didn't really understand. And it was cool, and I thought I really wanted to. But then later, the more I thought about it, I realized, like, I'd rather take the time that, you know, because you, it takes time to learn a game like that. But those four years that I could be learning the college game, I'd rather do it in the NBA. So that's what this is, just a developmental process and trusting that, uh, embracing the road, being where your feet are, and uh, I'm not and not trying to have too much of an ego or anything, just, uh, just grinding every day, trying to be the best player I can be. It's the type of stuff that makes me really respect a player and how a player becomes my favorite player is it starts with the mentality because that's the perspective I think a lot of guys who are more talented than than him couldn't even have or don't even have where it's like. They just want to be him from the beginning, but the fact that he's framing it like that rather than in a negative light tells me a lot about who he is. His character and his perspective and stuff, and I feel like if a lot more guys had that perspective early on, they would be a lot more successful. They're like, "Hey, I could' have been doing this in college, honestly, but my first four years it's it's years for me to figure out, so I just really like that from him, and I think he's gonna continue to thrive um the five rebounds, if I'm not mistaken, like I think like it was one or four offensive rebounds but the rebounding was incredible those that's the thing i said like he got to do to stay on the court especially with these smaller lineups so it was good to see him get minutes and all that because he's very talented he's still only 20 like he's about to turn 21 like in a month or so so i just think people got to be patient with the development of these guys like someone being able to shoot and then learning in a system like the worst is valuable because that molds him and allows him to like play different roles and be versatile and at the end of the day that's what we need from these young guys so that's all i had to say about that but being able to stay ready even when things are not working out for you i think is truly something that should be respected
1: Either you're a professional and you know you represent like this new status in life that you have and you go from there or you know you go back to where you came from like you just you know you can't represent two different levels of your life because one is going to be higher than the other and one's going to be better for you than the other and that's how you that's why you just move forward in life that's that is literally moving forward you know you can't move forward but try to hold on to what is behind you that's not how it works
0: yeah exactly and you know i've heard people say multiple times you know the the people around him need to check him but it's like what happens when the people around him are the problem because i've seen a problem with some, some of everybody in here i mean so i'll just skim and give you the the most important parts of this so this article was released i think this morning or earlier today um so it says In Memphis, Ja summer of trouble went unchecked by authorities. So I think they gave like three different scenarios of things that happened. So basically the first one is about that story we heard of where Ja had uh, allegedly punched this 17 year old uh, whose last name is, his last name is Holloway. So he's actually a, a point guard on one of those prep school teams in Virginia so ja had apparently come to his game you know uh they were cool they were actually cool came to his game gave him a pair of shoes you know invited him back to the house and said hey let's go hoop so they were hooping and the part in here that i want to find is where they said they described the incident that happened so basically he checked the ball to ja and the ball hit josh chin And then Ja asked his friend, he says, oh, should I should I hit him? And then he allegedly hit, punched the kid. And then somebody else came from the side and punched the kid, too. And I was just like, so y'all basically jumped this kid. Like, so this this is what I think happened. This is just speculation. You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like Ja was getting cooked because they said there was a lot of trash talk. Even the witnesses confirmed that it sounds like Ja was getting cooked and couldn't guard this kid. And the kid was talking shit back and forth with him. And then when he checked the ball and it slipped through his hands and hit his chin, he just kind of used it as an excuse to like (laughs) get mad at him and hit him. So Jock claims he was being disrespectful, but someone being disrespectful could be them cooking you, honestly. Like, who's gonna check you when all the people on the property are there for you? And this kid is an outsider. But my thing is, the guy that allegedly came and punched the kid. Like, sucker punched him basically aside from Ja. That's his Ja's right hand buddy, a pack. And remember the incident? I don't know if you remember this one, but one of Ja's friends got banned from a stadium for pointing like a laser, like that's at the end of a gun at somebody in another car at the Pacer Stadium. That was the same guy. Yeah. That's the same guy who came and like sucker punched the kid. Yeah his name is wow. pat i think okay. pack so this is Jaws' buddy buddy that he said he went to like these trainings with when he, back in the day and like they have been besties forever and i'm just like look bro if somebody like that is your right hand guy and he keeps doing like well josh f- fought for allegedly punching the kid but it's like he see you fighting someone and he decides to jump in And it's the same guy that got banned from a stadium. Like, that's clearly not the right person to have around if you're trying to keep what you worked hard for. And I just feel like, to your point about it being comfortable to be around the same people and stuff like that, it's like, what do you have to do? Lose everything that you have before you decide, you know what? Really, y'all are just egging me on. Y'all are gassing me. And it's going to be to the point where. Y'all are going to gas me until I lose everything, you know, because if they're if they are they just riding along, they're riding your coattails, bro. So they're not going to tell you you're wrong. They're not going to they're all going to be on your side. Police ask questions. They're going to be on your side. So it's like there's really nobody to check him unless it's himself or some brands taking something away from him. But it's like that doesn't mean he's going to feel bad because some of the other incidents You know there's another one where his mom was in a shoe store a local shoe store and the she got mad because she felt like the 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 store runner was serving a white woman before her and she got offended and the guy said oh it's not like that she's like oh like i'm gonna call my son up here and he didn't know who she was talking about and then job pulled up with like eight or nine people and like threatened the guy he was like oh i'll see you when you get off work and i'm just like this guy is like five five like i'm gonna show you a picture of the guy this guy is like five five don't look like this is the kid that he allegedly punched right here but the finish line dude this is the guy come on bro come on come on bro like he's not gonna it's like you're picking on people that are like Smaller than you physically. You
1: know, hey, yo, add me on Instagram. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like, like, what are you doing, bro? Like, like, bro. Like, no. Like, this is the problem that I have with like when when guys surround themselves with a bunch of yes men, and I hate when they do. I hate when when people do this. I. So like I mean I have my friend like I have my friend group like I have my people around me that I I slide with I mess with but I'm not just gonna have like I'm not just gonna have a bunch of people around me that just agree with me or just say I'm right all the time or always take my end of the stick in any situation and the reason why I don't like to have that around me like I actually I I actually enjoy having friends or having relationships where either I'm constantly getting checked if I'm, if I'm, you know, smoking ass or if, you know, I'm just not doing things the right way or if my head, if my head is just not in the right place or I'm just moving wrong, you know, like it's like, I, I enjoy the fact that I can honestly say that I have people around me that I know are going to you know keep it real with me whenever they whenever it needs to be you know whenever it needs to be addressed, because when you have people like that around you where all they do is just it's not it's it's actually i I would even call it support because if you're really supporting somebody, like if I'm supporting you, like if you're in a situation where you're wrong and I know you're wrong and you know you're wrong, but you you don't want to be you want to be the one that's right. I'm going to bring you aside. I'm going to say, hey, look, I'm going to keep it a buck with you, but, you know, you're wrong. Like, you're off right now. Like, you know, like, like, I don't know what's going on, but you got to get, you got to get your shit together. And I'm going to tell you that, but that's being supportive of somebody. Because to, like, to support somebody is to do what's best for them so they can be the best versions of themselves. Yep. To have a bunch of guys, like, for John to have a bunch of these, these, like, these, like, you know, get, like, you know like to have the whole gang around him or whatever like the case may be i don't know how he's affiliated with these guys i don't know any of these people i only know jaw and his daddy so i don't know i don't know i none mean of these guys lo- low with.
0: key so they uh him and his family were even talking about doing a countersuit or suing the kid and his mom all right and on that note i actually have to bring up something that just came out While I was recording this, Breaking John Morant has filed a countersuit against Joshua Holloway, saying he is the victim of slander, assault, and battery. The countersuit says that lies from Holloway and leaks of lies to the media have impacted his All-NBA chances. Now isn't that rich, y'all? He invites the kids, allegedly, to his house. Allegedly beats the kid up, allegedly sends the kid on his way while he flashes his gun at him, right? And then you're gonna counter sue them. Wow, like this is actually pathetic. And it's just so interesting considering this is a guy that's just so hard and about his business. You're counter suing? Are you serious? Yeah, this is the weakest shit I've ever seen. Extremely disgusting. Extremely. And they tried to use the fact that the mom had previously claimed cases against the fire department in the school district to discredit her. That's what his lawyer said. So they're like, oh, well, she has a history of trying to get money out of situations. And I'm just like, in racist ass Memphis, her trying to sue the fire department in school district is probably valid. It's they probably did some really weird stuff, but I saw people post that little excer- excerpt on Twitter and people were like, oh, see, like, they're just trying to get money out of it. Well, where did the knot come from? Where he didn't go over there and beat himself up?
1: the fact that you're the fact that it's literally him and himself, like he has no one there for him. He's by himself surrounded mm-hmm. by you, your whole gang, your whole squad, your family, whatever the case may be. at your house, he has no idea where he is. He doesn't notice, he doesn't notice this environment. He doesn't know where the back gate is to get out. He doesn't know if you guys got strapped or he doesn't know what's he doesn't know what is in this area. He doesn't know where he can go, where the danger is. He doesn't know what this guy's going to do, what this guy's going to do, because they're, they all they all listen to what you say. They don't, he doesn't know what you're going to do. Like he has no control of this situation. And the fact that you feel like a 17 year old kid gives you buckets for an hour or for 45 minutes at the minimum. And you get offended by that. You feel like you have to react by either you punching him or 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 commanding someone else that's a part of your squad to punch the kid because you're in your feelings. When the kid is the one who really should be in his feelings from a you know like oh I'm in a dangerous environment type of situation or like I'm 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 one of like nobody here. Like I'm the one like if if shit goes down I'm the one who's screwed. Yeah. Like there's no way. That Josh, that Josh, I don't know if necessarily he's lost it, or if he's just, you know, feasting and just acting on a characteristic that maybe he's had this whole time, or, you know, a habit or just a personality trait that he's picked up. I don't know what it is. I don't know where it came from, or how long, or how long he's, he's had this within him. But it's just not a good side to him. And it's a side of him that's going to, you know, cause the ground underneath him to start to shrink. And right. he's going to lose he's going to lose a lot of a lot of ground to stand on. He's going to lose a lot of people and yep. he's going to slowly but surely dig this hole down and down and down and down. That's going to take him out of the position that he's in and drag mm-hmm. him all the way back down to the bottom where he started and even further even further because when you when you make it out of a situation and you get to a good spot in life mm-hmm. and then you make some poor choices or you you start living in a way that kind of takes you away from that and pulls you back from that okay when you go when you go forward and then slingshot backward that is a worse feeling than than still being stuck at square 1 and not even getting to that 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 better place yet because there's a different feeling like it just hits differently it hits harder and you know you're trying your best to get somewhere in life you're trying your best to make things better for yourself and you're just still stuck in like that spot you know mm-hmm. like that's hard that sucks but at least you know you're like you haven't, you don't know what that tastes like. You don't know what it's like to have that. So you don't, you don't know what it's like to lose that. Like you don't, you, you're not even capable of having that happen to you or going through that, that emotion because you're not even there yet. But when you get there and then you make choices that take you away from that and you go back and you retort backwards, mm-hmm. it, it's a worse feeling than, than, than before you even got there when you were just still right. at, at, at ground zero. It hurts more because then you feel like you wasted, you feel like you lost, you feel like you blew, like you, it, it's, a, it, it's more damaging to your own like self-conscious and your own mentality about yourself and about how you've handled things and about who you are as a person or what you're capable of or, you know, this and that, whatever the case may be. It's more damaging to your own mental state and your own emotional state than it is not getting there in the first place. Yep. So the fact that he's playing with the fire and that his hand is hovering over the flame and he's getting closer and closer and closer to getting burnt, and when he gets burnt, he's going to go backwards, and that hole is going to be so deep to the point where he doesn't even recognize where he's at because that's going to be a deeper, a deeper point that he's been in his life than he was at ever, like at, at any point before that. Yep. It's going to suck for him, and I don't wish that upon anybody. I don't like that feeling. I that's how my life was before I joined the military. Before I enlisted and before I even came into the Navy, I lived in a hole. Like mentally and emotionally, I lived in a hole that I dug for myself in my life. And I didn't like that, so I made a radical change and I was just tired of being tired, right? And that's where it started. And now that I'm here and I have this opportunity and I have this this roadmap ahead of me that I can follow to amount to something, be successful at something, gain something, accomplish things. And I can make a better life for myself than any other job, career opportunity or situation or environment that I was in previously.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I'm not going to let that go to waste. Right. I'm going to honor where I came from. I'm going to honor the fact I'm going to honor and res- and respect and continue to maintain You know what it is that got me here from a from a positive perspective my own like characteristics and habits and and choices that i've made for myself that were that were better for me i'm going to continue to honor that pattern so that way i only go forward and i don't take a step backwards and he's he's chosen to not do that he's chosen to dishonor himself and what got him to this place of life that he's in now he's he's chosen to dishonor that and to try to take on something that you know either one isn't him because he does front or two is just going to completely take him back to you know a darker place than he he's ever even known. and i know what it's like to get out of you know depression and um just you know like self-anguish and just hating yourself or hating your life like i i know what that feels like and it is the the it's one of the most like enduring long lasting and just like overwhelming like feelings you can go through and i don't wish that upon him but if he keeps this up and he just continues to just go down this you know this path of this gang and you know check you know like you know running up on anybody we want to and you know we run the city or our you know we run you know wherever we're walking down like it's going to lead him to that place and I don't want him to go there because I really genuinely you know did like like did like Jaw a lot when he first came in and I still like him now as a basketball player like I still like him as a player, like nothing that he, nothing that he can do, like as a person can take away like what I see him do and perform as a player. Right. I separate, I separate basketball and, you know, humanity. Like, right. I keep those two things separate.
0: That's my closing thoughts on it. It's just that I hope that he can have a moment where it hits him sooner than when he loses everything. I hope that 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 it could be something I don't know if it was the, the some of the sponsors dropping him. I don't know if that's going to do it. You know, when the money gets affected, you know, is that going to be it for him? I It's, good, it's based on what he, he values, because it seems like he's being just encouraged by the people in his environment. So clearly it's not going to come from them. Uh, it maybe it can't come from internal because he hasn't had a reason that convinces him that he's wrong you know because these type of people they justify whatever they do and because they're surrounded by yes men they got cops in their pocket you know they're valuable to the league and they realize their value it emboldens them even more so i i don't Mm -hmm. know what that looks like for him what's gonna be that thing that just helps him click and be like you know what dang I need to stop. I hope that can come before he loses everything. I yeah, I wouldn't prefer funny. to see him lose everything and then figure it out. I I would like to see him as a young man, just go through life and figure things out and just end up on the right side of things, you know. And that doesn't mean he has to do things the way I like him to do, you know. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, the rap culture is so bad. No, he's making a choice, like players can be around rappers and stuff and it not mean that they're trying to be a mob boss or like a gang leader we've seen Steph curry hang out with drake like is he over there in the studio with him maybe offline and we don't see it but is he out there you know trying to reenact what they do or live that lifestyle no he still puts his head down works so i don't believe in controlling like doing the image control i'm more so focused on the actions how you treat people and feeling like you're above reproach. Overall, even if you can't get away with it, it only lasts so long because you're only valuable to these brands and your team for as long as you don't hurt their bottom line. Because we've seen what the NBA does when certain players do stuff that they don't like. We saw what they did with Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. They packed him up, blackballed him, got him out of there. It's happened before so i just am worried that it seems like he feels invincible because that's a very dangerous place to be because usually Mm -hmm. when the reality hits that you're not invincible it's very hard so that's all i feel about jai you know he's what 23 so he's like really young like he still has time to figure stuff out i'm the same age as this guy like he's 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 still young like And I feel like when you don't have anyone that you respect, that's what happens. We got some of the other stuff. So I thought this was interesting because I was telling someone like months ago, my take on why the WNBA is not as popular, which doesn't have to do with like, oh, women just don't want to watch. They're not interested. I was like, okay, think about it like this. So the WNBA has been in existence since what like the 90s i think and i think this last uh championship with the iowa and lsu was really really good for women's game because the visibility was so high like it was it was everybody was talking about i've never seen anything like this and the trash talking oh aside from the little corn balls who were trying to make it into something else it was a beautiful I was like, this is the most exciting thing I've seen bas- all year.
1: It was great basketball. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be um I'm gonna keep it a buck. I actually watched the women's bracket more than I did the men's. Mm. Like I actually missed I I kept up so I kept up with the men's bracket all the way up until Texas got eliminated cause, uh Because, like us in Texas we had four schools in the tournament. We had we had Baylor, we had Texas, U of H and Uh, we had u of h texas baylor and oh my god there's another one i can't remember anyways but we had like we had multiple schools in the tournament so i was keeping up with the men's tournament just to watch like you know texas like represent and after we got fully eliminated i kind of lost interest but i was watching the women's tournament the whole time and once once Texas got uh pulled out of it, I started watching the women's tournament even more. And like I'm not even gonna lie, these girls, like they're they're getting so good, like they can who like I'm watching like Caitlin Clark drop thirty every game. She had like a forty point triple double and like the mm-hmm. the the she had like a 40 point or like a 38 point triple double in like the second to last round or something she had like every every game during the tournament she had like over 25 i think her lowest game she had like a 20 something game or like a high 20 something game that was her lowest game and everything else was like 30 this 30 that she had one 40 point game maybe two but i think one
0: 40 in college is tough uh like that's different. Like,
1: Forty in college, and, and she did it. She did it in like she's doing that in college. Like you already know my opinions on college. And speaking of college, Moses, Moses. Like when we get to Moody, he's gonna he's gonna explain this the same thing about what I said about college. But like, like the fact that these girls, I'm I'm actually watching like, I'm actually watching them play basketball, and th- like their brand of basketball compared to how the men play is is actually like a lot closer to how pure basketball is played like that whole team Mm -hmm. like the team offense team defense like everything is like team based like don't get me wrong like there are there are like you know certain girls that are like so like far better than others like Mm -hmm. as scores or ball handlers like if they want to iso they can iso and they can shine as individuals but you know Like from a widespread, you know, like viewpoint, like they're all pretty much the same level. It's just like, you know, like they're all they're all right there with each other, because the women, like the women, like they all they have is skill, all they have is IQ, all they have is, you know, their abilities in every single facet of the game. Can you handle? Can you shoot? Can you go left? Can you go right? Can you finish inside? Can you
0: finish in the middle? Do you You have vision? You know what you're making me think about? So it's just like, we know how the game has been affected by like Steph Curry, the three-pointer, the Warriors, right? With their offense and all that. We've already seen teams in the NBA copy the Warriors like, you know, just using post splits more, you know, the screens, like it's already been there. It's like, it's obviously been an evolution from like the Spurs, you know, you can even say the triangle offense to an extent. So it's evolved, Um, even like the Phoenix Suns, so we see the evolution now and we're seeing the younger generation like with the boys but i think now we're starting to see the girls more and more because the those offenses of the warriors and the shooting it makes it more appealing because it's already accepted on the male stage that hey even if you're not athletic if you can shoot you have value on the team you know so i feel like now it makes it to where okay like if a woman is going crazy from three people were going to like be able to connect it, you know, because because it's something Mm -hmm. because I feel like the lack of athleticism has caused a disconnect and a disrespect of the women's game. But because there's that similarity between how the offenses can be run or the three pointer, I think that can bring some similar excitement that like Steph and the Warriors brought that has boosted the popularity like a three it's not just dunks are impressive anymore. Like threes are impressive, if not sometimes more impressive than a dunk based on how the person got the shot. So now I feel like people can see it in the women more than before, you know, where they might have still been shooting better, but it didn't really matter until it got more popular with the men. Yeah. To where people can be like, you know what? I, even if she's not athletic, I know that the fact she's a good shooter, that means she's like really, really, really good. Like, everybody can't just be a shooter so when they see someone with that skill they have a they have a a a original point to kind of reference for like Mm -hmm. hey even if if someone's shooting 30 feet they're shooting 30 feet like it it is what it is like there's no difference there's not going to be a difference in oh that's 30 in the 30 feet three in the nba is different than you know it's like it's exactly the same the skill that it takes to get to that high efficiency, it, it's not gonna matter. The difference is not exist is non-existent. So, you know, even when we have women getting like these double-doubles and stuff, it's like, they're like, oh, okay, but like, you know, okay, who cares? But if someone gets like eight threes or 10 threes in a game or averages 30 or 40 or something, you know, that's gonna be way more exciting than it was before. And I think we saw that with Caitlin Clark. Like, she plays just like Steph Curry. She does.
1: Like, it's the, it's cross, hezzy, hezzy, until the defender bites, and then she'll pull it, and then she'll commit, like, extra hard on the one that they bite, and then she'll just throw it up, and it goes in. Like, she plays just like Steph. It's high pick and roll. She shoots from five feet past the arc comfortably, and then if she's on the line, it's going to go in. Like, she literally plays just like Steph. Like, and that's the that's one of the things that that's that's one of the things that I love about the evol like the evolution of the game like as time goes on the game it doesn't isn't necessarily you know just about you know being a sport and like physicality mm-hmm. and you right. know, speed and being fast and being strong and being able to jump high basketball is a game basketball is a game of finesse and mm-hmm. skill and balance like it it's more than just being an athlete, you know, like there's so many intricate things when it comes to, you know, like technique and your ability, like in certain skills that you perform on the court, like there's so much more than just being athletic, even with, even with the men, even with the men, even though men dominate from an athletic perspective, even with the men skill at the end of the day, takes you so much further than what athleticism can. And I love the fact that I love the I love the fact that for one, because that we because that we've been blessed to have Steph come through, guys like him, Dame, uh, um, and even though these guys like can affect the game athletically, but Clay Thompson, like uh, Buddy Hill, like all these all these guys that are coming in and they're affecting the game from the perimeter with their shooting ability, with their ball handling ability, like their ability to out maneuver and outskill their opponent without having to use their athleticism at a very uber level mm-hmm. it 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 gives it gives more opportunity to represent the women and to and to show like hey like we're doing this but like women are capable of doing it as well because they're watching us do it and they're picking it up and they're drilling it and and doing their best to not just replicate how we do it or how well we do it but they want to be better than us anyways
0: is that this is kind of what i was explaining to someone months ago about what aside from this women's tournament that just happened what needs to happen in order for more women to quote unquote watch basketball because guys are like oh women have to support women but the thing is men have generations going back to the 1950s of history to go back on to look at the game evolved to look at to be inspired by you know somebody out there was inspired by pistol pete mirovich somebody out there was inspired by magic johnson and uh who's another one we got reggie miller i mean he literally that was like the 90s and he's impacted steph steve nash someone else that's impacted steph you know so i just feel like sometimes people when trying to compare oh the women Versus the men, their league is relatively new. Still, it's only been I think like thirty years, because I think it was started in the nineteen nineties. So it's like we have yeah, a, like
1: ninety four, like ninety. Right, like so we have like
0: half of the time for history, if not even less than that, that the men's league has. So you kind of got to give space for there to be generations of girls inspired by this person or that person to pick up a basketball or to keep playing basketball. So like when I see this picture, that's what it makes me think of, because this is a, a Simone Augustus, you know, she was a I think Dribble said she was on the Minx back in the day. So look at the, the time between Reese right here and Simone Augustus and then Reese winning a championship and her being there We in the men's game. We've kind of seen those full circle moments. Oh, this person was inspired by so and so. And then he came to the league. We don't have that many stories of this in the WNBA yet because we're still kind of in the midst of the first 50 years of the league even existing. The NBA right. already had their 75th anniversary. WNBA yeah. is what, at like maybe around 25, maybe 30 ish. I think they just had their 30th anniversary. So we have to give time for momentum to build. And even outside the WNBA, I don't know if you've seen this girl on Twitter or Tiktok, but she would like go to gyms and be hooping against guys. And she'll be like talking shit like to them. Hold on. I think her name is Ingenie. I think even somebody like this can have an impact on girls, because even though she's not in the WNBA, we're in a different era. So this is a type of content she posts and I just love it. So she will be with guys obviously getting their feelings. And then she's not as athletic, athletic so they don't think she's going to do shit. But what she do, she comes spray the block up and start talking shit. And I'm like, this is a type of stuff that I would have loved to see as a kid. But I didn't. I was still inspired, but look at her. There she go right there. I love this. And her teammates know she she's like that. That's the oh, part I man. love look did she be talking shit too did she be talking yes, shit yes that's what i want to see oh my god bro! look at her crazy <laughs> it was like
1: no but like what really like what really blows my mind though because like i've run like i've i've ran into like a couple of girls like these like within like the past year and what blows my mind and it's not like it it doesn't blow my mind like in in the sense like oh like like I didn't think like women could be confident in themselves but like right. the level in which dirt like like I've played against like I've either played with or against like two or three different girls within the past year I remember it vividly two of them uh, was before I got into the into the Navy I was like I was at a I was at my YMCA or my lifetime membership wherever it was and I was also at this big huge rec center that's in the that's uh, on the north side of my city. And I ran to two different girls at one point that could play like like literally like they could play like they could hoop for real like they could shoot they could handle like they could score they even move like they actually they even move like men like when they would when they would like put moves together like they they would they would like get what kind of like Kyrie and, and like, like
0: Kyrie type stuff because I feel like no, he has yes. a, no, no, a good no. impact I'm too. A,
1: I'm not even I'm not I'm not being dramatic like I, I'm like I'm so dead ass like like they would put moves together and just the way like the way they would step the way their shoulders were turned how far they would dip down like how they would sell how hard they would they would commit to the like they would they were moving like men right like looking like 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 fucking Kyrie or like some Jamal like like they they look like men out there putting this stuff together. And I would be guarding them like a couple times. I'm like, I'm like,
0: whoa, 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 whoa. I'm like, Hold <laughs> like up, like, like, <laughs> wait. That evolution wait up, though,
1: like, it's crazy, me. right? Yeah, like and I'm like, I'm like, there. One of those girls. I think it was the one where I was playing at the at the at the Y, and she was shorter than me, but she could handle. She could handle that thing, and she would when she like literally she was handling the rock like a guy. Like like she would she would cross over. She would step like her knees like her hips like every just how everything was bent and contorted and just like the angle in which her body would move like she literally moved like a guy oh my god that's oh bad- my
0: god no
1: that way is wait Boy, oh god that's crazy. let me just
0: oh my god she
1: don't no waste to die <laughs> that's the perfect yo
0: oh my god oh my god so-
1: why is he doing this what's this though She made him do the Halloween tree that's tough that's tough
0: oh my god this Yo. is a crazy freeze frame man and I love her creativity this is why I say like it doesn't have to all be WNBA it could literally be just people like this on the internet that inspires a girl
1: what's her, twitter, what's her twitter handle I'm gonna follow that account it's, because that's a good comment. here it is And okay I
0: got you underscore and Janae. About this right quick while I'm talking about Jalen Brunson. Now we saw how perfect of a fit him and Luca were, right? Like we saw that. Mm-hmm. So how in the world did Mark Cuban allow him to get away? Like this is so ridiculous. And then I saw Mark Cuban blaming Jalen Brunson's dad for why things went wrong with the negotiations. So he said where it went south was when Rick Brentson took over. When the parent took over um our parents took over i don't look i don't know what he's talking about Look. so basically i'm confused because he still could have offered jalen brunson a contract if he wanted to and during that off season we heard like oh the knicks might be offering his dad a job so maybe that could be part of the reason why he goes to the knicks but i'm just like now looking at your team you have to deplete your team to get kyrie because you chose not to sign someone as good as Jalen, so it's like this type of guy like Jalen, he's ex- he's a winning player to me. He he's extremely good at what he does. We've clearly seen what he's done on the Knicks. But it's like now you have to pair Luca with someone like Kyrie, that's also ball dominant. Like yes, he can play off ball. We know this. Like but at the end of the day, like him being on ball is a part of what makes Kyrie him so you had someone who could play better off of luca but you didn't resign him and now you're trying to blame his dad i just don't feel like as a owner this is something you need to be saying in public i just feel like this is bad optics for free agents because what do you mean like yeah. you're blaming his dad you at the end of the day could have signed him at the beginning of the season you could have signed him at the end and you didn't neither and then it's like what do you do? I just feel like he's going to end up wasting Lucas' time there, honestly. Like that's what it's making me feel like.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I agree. Like I, I 100% agree and I I think that, you know, that that the point the point that you made is um valid for sure cuz I do agree with that. I I guess I I feel for both Mark and for, you know, like, you know, Jalen and I guess his dad in this sense, because I don't agree, like, I don't agree with how Mark handled it. I, like, when it comes to, uh, you know, relations and, you know, connections with people and, you know, he said, she said, or what's talked about behind closed doors and just things of that nature, you know, um, things that are discussed on a private basis, like, yes, like, those things should be kept, you know, outside the media. Those things should be kept within, you know, the parties that are, you know, at dispute or whatever. Um, so do I if I was Mark, would I have said what he has said, no. I'm not going to put another man's name out there. He's not even in the league. He's not he or he's not a part of, you know, an, an organization like that. Um but like at the same time I also do feel for Mark in the sense because I've I've noticed this um, more like a lot a lot more uh, within recent history in the league like within recent time in the league and it's like actually starting to grow more apparent and it's it's there's more like situations or more instances of it happening but. These guys and their dads, man, like, I don't know, I don't know why, like, you know, these young, these young dudes get to the league and their fathers think that they're either hot shit or that <laughs> they're the DM. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where this, like, wave is coming from. Probably started with, with, uh, LaVar. LaVar. but like, yeah, like, but. Ever since Levar came out, and you know, now I'm not ta- I'm not discrediting him. The man said that all three of his sons would get into the league, and he was right. He got all three of his boys in the league. All right, great for him. Like congratulations, you spoke that into existence. I will give you right. all the credit in the world for that. But there's there's a lot of it's it's really thin ice that that you know that they're treading on with this whole like, you know, like your dad or like, you know, these guys and their fathers like constantly being in the spotlight or having a say so over, you know, like, you know, what's going on in their lives or their careers, you know, having their handprint on that, especially with media. Like we saw that with LeVar. We saw how that essentially affected Lonzo's, you know, beginning stages of his career. He did not have a great start to his career. I think we can all agree that Lonzo had one of the worst starts to a career that any – he, was he second? He was – right? No. He was second overall, right? Because Marquette mm-hmm, went yep. first. Yeah. So, but still, like, he could have went first. I a lot of people thought he would go first. But, like, for him to be the second overall pick and to have that poor of a start to his career, it, it's one of the worst we've seen in NBA history. And
0: I Jay,
1: like like sixty or seventy percent, like a huge portion of that was because of Levar. I feel right. like Levar put a target on his son's back.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: ran his mouth, was comparing him to the best the league had to offer, legends that played in the league. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was doing the most. He was going. He was he was talking like the definition of talking out your ass is what Levar yeah. did when Lonzo got when Lonzo got drafted, yep. and. I feel like he basically set his son up for failure and he set Lonzo up for a lot more of a challenging start than what he could have had. He could have had a a really good like break in, you know, you know, nice, easy, not not easy, but like a nice smooth start to his career as opposed to the complete, you know, you know, it was was like a circus. It was yes, like a circus. Like, like
0: it, every week it was something else. LeVar said this, LeVar said else. that, talking and, about the the coach and
1: and it just it would just lead in what it, what it did is that it would just pile on and just make it harder and harder. With every game that Lonzo played bad and with every time that La- LeVar opened his mouth, it would just pile on to make it so much harder for Lonzo to play basketball.
0: Yeah.
1: I genuinely felt bad for him. I just don't, I well, don't here like would when,
0: be when, here would be my happens. counter here would be my counter I'm kind of balanced on this I agree with like the examples about like LeVar's dad and everything but what I would say is the match just had a bad combination of Mark not wanting to pay Jalen the amount he wanted and Jalen probably wanting to be the guy so it's like it just didn't line up. Right, because it's like you can't have both of them because at least if you're going to want Jalen to play second fiddle to Luca, you're going to have to pay him the amount he wants. So he didn't do either one and he's still trying to blame the dad. To me, it'd be one thing if they offered him that amount. And then Jalen was like, nah, like me and my dad about to go over here. But he didn't offer him that. And he wanted to play a different play style. And my response to the people wanting to manage things and everything I think as long as this balance is okay, because the way I see it within these organizations, there's a lot of nepotism already going on. There's a lot of people who have their cousins or their sons or their whoever work in this position or that position or as a scout or this or that. So if the players have the leverage to get something like that for their family, you know what, if one team wants to offer it and the other doesn't, I can't blame him if he goes somewhere that's going to get his dad paid to where that don't have to come out of his pocket anymore. And then and then I was hearing oh, cool. how uh players and even Mark Jalen, uh, not Jalen, but Jordan's trainer was telling me one time, like the way they treat you when you're in New York is like a different level to where you don't got to pay for housing. You don't have to pay for your food. You don't have to pay for anything because the it's is you're kind of like the city has it for you. The city like you don't have to pay for anything. So those combination of things and mark not wanting to pay him enough i think it just you can't do both man when somebody has an option like that on the other side um so honestly i'm blaming mark i want mark to get criticism because the only reason he got a championship with dirk is because dirk was that good and i feel like he's doing the same thing with luca which is not fair to him so because luca's so good it's like mark doesn't want to go out his way or spend the extra money to get him the help that he needs. And it's almost like he's tr- he's trying to use the Kyrie trade as like, "Oh, see, look, I tried to get you help." But we know that roster is still not filled out. So it's like you get to have Kyrie as a scapegoat cuz I've seen people say, "Oh, Kyrie's the problem." They've lost since he's got it's not it's the fact that they gutted what little defense and bench they had and you're basically like extremely top heavy so that's why when luca had that quote the other week that was like i'm not i'm just not as happy playing basketball like i don't have that joy anymore that could be some off the court stuff but i was thinking on the court mark has been putting him in a very difficult position i don't necessarily think luca wants to play the way he does where he's ball dominant because i've seen how he played in real madrid and at the end of the day like he's able to play in a system where it's not heliocentric and is Luca ball. I truly believe Luca wants to play with better teammates or at least within a better system to where he doesn't have to carry overnight. Cause over the course of the year in the playoffs, he's gonna get gas. We know he can do it. So at a certain point, it's like, so what? Somebody like him is gonna want to win. So you mm. and he was saying, uh, Luca was saying the other day that he missed Jalen Brunson. And I'm just like, that quote plus what Mark was saying here, that doesn't sound too good. That doesn't sound good. Like Luca already got a new teammate, but he's still talking about he missed this old teammate that the owner didn't pay. So in terms of Lucas future, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go somewhere else. Honestly, I, I really wouldn't. Um, because mm-hmm. Mark has a history of doing this type of thing and it doesn't look like it's going to change. You know, you getting another star is not going to compensate for the lack of the bench that you have.
1: Yeah and i like i i i do agree and i do think that like there's there is a huge like there is a huge factor that goes into like when you look at when you look at when you look at the the like when you troubleshoot like all of these different trades that happen with guys leaving guys getting shipped off guys not resigning you know not extending contracts when you troubleshoot it and you you get to the baseline of it and look at what the the primary like factors of why these changes are being made or why these guys aren't staying and they're going off to new places like there, as time as time has gone on like we we start to notice that a lot of it has has to do a lot more with you know their pay and just you know owners willing to break the pocket to secure guys and to secure those rosters you know for their teams to be more successful like that's it's becoming more prominent and we've seen that a lot more and Mark, like Mark, Mark's history. He, he's been a part already, already in this pool of you know owners that you know they're not gonna they're not gonna break off the extra dollar to really you know assure that you know they have everything they need to have. Um, him, Steve Ballmer. I mean, the list goes on and on. But you know, I do agree 100. percent I do think that you know the owners have to take responsibility for you know just the teams. The teams not being able to compete or having the opportunity to really compete in the manner in which they can because they're not even putting them in the position to do so because right. they just won't pay guys. Like I, 100% agree. The and 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 you know that's that's all like true like 100%. The only the only thing that I that I'm that I would defend Mark in this instance because I i hate whenever i'm trying to do my job and there's somebody over here that's like in my ear that shouldn't be talking or just doesn't even know what the fuck they're talking about and they're just like they're all up in my shit i'm like dude get away from me you're not even a part of this like let me do my job and stop being something you're not and that's just how i feel like you know like how like these family members are just like how these fathers coming in, right, in writing, like not writing their sons' coattails, but essentially, you know, like, you know, side by side going into it. And they're trying to take a, a, they're trying to take claim or take ownership and responsibility of like all this, this huge area, no matter what organization that their, their boys are playing for, like as if they're owners or their GMs or their coaches or like they have say so, And it's like, dude, you just got here. And it's like you're not even you're not out there playing and you're not in the office with us making business and making team decisions for the organization so what are you like what are you doing like i would get frustrated if i was an owner and i had somebody you know like on my back who it's not that they're nobodies but it's like they're not they're they are not they they do not have any they, they don't have any control of what happens in this entire organization and with the team even with their own sons they they have no control like the team controls that and yeah and their boys would, and themselves do
0: i would get annoyed too if i'm trying to get somebody to take a cheaper deal and their parents like no you deserve more like at the end of the day like i feel like the owners like to have the most leverage and overall i'm going to be more pro player in their representation regardless who that is because for years it's been the players have agents that sometimes are in the pockets of the organization sometimes like we've heard about that type of thing happening so the organizations are they're just going to have to give more than they want to to the players because their representation is more focused on them doing what's best for them even if it's not the best for the team because that's how the team would operate and that's how they've done so it's like if they're going to operate this way in their best interest we're going to operate in our best interest even if it's annoying even if you don't like it but honestly the owners shouldn't like it they shouldn't if they are trying to uh be cheap or if they're trying to get the best deal for them they shouldn't like the other players having a little bit more knowledge a little more people around them with Differing opinions to what the the organization wants, so the orgs are going to have to adjust and realize that the players are realizing the leverage that they have in this newer generation, and some teams are more willing to appeal to that than others. Just like the Knicks, like they're willing to appeal to the fact that Jalen knows his value by saying, "You know what? On top of us paying you how much you want, we can hook your dad up with a job too." And then you'll get treated like a king in the city, whereas you have another owner trying to be stingy and cling on to his money. Jalen knows that someone else has already agreed on the value that he brings. So you can't act like Mark these days where you have owners that are not fighting against player empowerment or fighting against these players having better representation or thinking more about them instead of being loyal to a team. Because why would you be loyal to a team in this current day and age? Absolutely not. I mean, even in years past, it was even worse. So I feel like now we have a standoff between two sides in these negotiations now where the teams are going to have to give up a little more than they used to, I think, when there's these really good players like this. I don't think we're in a league where you can undervalue them and then just hold on to them like they could in the past. I think because of the way the game has evolved there's more teams who can see that value and they're like you know what we have the cap room to do it why not so the stingy and greedy owners they're about to lose out to teams that are like willing to pay these guys what they feel they're worth even if the original team doesn't feel like they're worth that somebody else does these players don't have any loyalty to the teams anymore So what reason do they have to stay? It's just like Lamar Jackson with the uh, Ravens. You know, why would he stay with them if the team don't feel like he's worth the amount he feels like he's worth? And I've seen people blame his mom or whoever's his agent or whatever. Clearly, they know what they're talking about. You can't be mad if the market is already set and you don't want to pay that amount. That would be like the words getting mad that Jordan Poole's value increased and they couldn't get him for a bargain deal under 100 million. He played and knows that his value was more than that by that point, even though they want to pay them less. So they had to concede that extra money because they're like, we know there's other teams that are willing to pay him the full amount. So we can't really sit here and play with this and play in his face. Like he doesn't realize his value because they had already got word. Hey, five other teams are already willing to pay him the max. So if y'all don't do it and y'all try to get cute, like, the Mavs tried to do with Jalen then you're gonna get another team that picks him up for you so you either cough up the money now or you lose him later but this next one is (laughs) this is funny to me I must say so after the Lakers lost last night this is what LeBron said he said oh yeah so he said this was one of those scheduling conflicts in the season and definitely got the best of us losing to the clippers on their fifth straight road game okay so this is the type of stuff that bothers me about lebron how he will like blame stuff on other like that's the part that don't really click with me because i'm always like a figure it out type person or or make it happen no excuses keep your head down don't complain like type person so it just kills me because it's like dude so it's like he believes that back-to-back games was the problem now this is what i love about people being able to fact check stuff so the lakers were tied yes the lakers are tied for the fewest back-to-backs in the league now look at that would you look at that and look at who is tied for the most the warriors and i haven't heard one of those guys complain all season about how many back-to-backs they had and they've had guys that are injured they've had to keep clay out on back-to-backs it's like dude like it's just funny to me how when you lose always something else or somebody else you know first it was rest was the problem you know how about the fact that you just stand there and don't even play defense
1: The, the best the the best the best part of this entire statistic is the second stat line where not only it like not only do the Lakers blow out the rest of the of the competition in the league by far in the second stat line when it come, for most games with opponents on road back to back. Oh wow they they if you do the math, that's almost triple the amount of what the Warriors had to have had to endure this entire regular season, which for the stat is comparing the numbers of how many teams, how many opponents you play that are coming off of back to backs? Most yep. games with opponent on road and they're road back to back games. So right. basically, the Lakers have played fifteen teams at some point in the season where those teams in those in that group of fifteen just came off of a on the road back to back. For example, the Lakers play utah utah went to washington and miami and now they're just going and now they're just coming to la to play right that's that's off a back-to-back weekend back to backs, going from coast to coast Back for, for a divisional or like a or like a conference game or a conference schedule is nowhere near as hard as going from conference to conference and then coming back to either your same division or within your same conference to play. You're basically cross-country. You're basically traveling cross-country three times. Like, that's hard. That's that's a hard schedule. That's the hardest schedule you can get in the league. And the Lakers have played 15 to- 15 games this season with opponents that are coming off of, on the road, back-to-back games, some of those being conference to conference, some of those being from coast to coast, like, like some of the hardest schedules you can put together in the league. And the Warriors only had six opponents. And I believe yep. that was tied for first or something or they were like tied for first or like or no, well 22nd because they had so little like the Lakers were the first with the most. So the Warriors <laughs> being lower ranked on that on that stat line mean they had the least amount of opponents in that category, which is a good right. thing. Or, you know, that's that's, you know, for the argument, but that to me is the most impressive because, like, yes, like LeBron. Obviously, LeBron, he's shown history of just you know, you know, looking for the avenue to put blame, you know, to put the blame or to to put the excuse down, so that way it's there and he can just kind of give it off and just you know, move about his business and continue on. But I just find it funny how not only you know does the first statistic contradict you know what he's complaining about. But at the same time, the second one, like, it just blows that whole argument out the water. Like, not only have you had the least amount of back—not only have you—most games with opponents on back-to-back ties, fewest back-to-backs in the— not only have you had the fewest back-to-back game schedules in the league, like, you played the least amount, you played against the most, and— the and you've played against the most that are coming off the road. Right. So if anything, your schedule has been the lightest. We the only thing that we don't have to judge their schedule is uh is the records for their for the individual teams that they're playing against on a day to day basis. Right. But that's too much information we can't pull up right now. So outside of the team records for whoever they're going up against on a night and night ba- on a night and night out basis these these three statistics alone you know, like prove the fact that, you know, their schedule has been fairly light. Whether right. it was all the beginning of the season or just recently in the second half of the season, doesn't matter. Like that's that's as as you know, that's as, you know, not favoritism, but that's as lenient as, you know, and as As it can
0: get pretty much. As it can get. This is something we've talked about multiple times. So, I agree with this by the way. I agree with this. I've already watched this and I I agree
1: with everything that RJ said.
0: So 100%. Here's my Okay. I feel like the job of a point guard is to facilitate. Now, I feel like what people are really saying is he's not a traditional point point guard. I don't have a problem with that. Okay, if we're basing point guard off of a traditional point guard, Okay, he's not a traditional point guard. But I think the way that the game is evolving, that if we're going to, we have to use positions that are relative. So he's relatively more a point guard than he is a shooting guard because he still has that passing ability in IQ. He has the floater, he's smaller. So, relatively, he is a point guard. That is the position he plays. But the way he's used within the system, is as a combo guard like he can be the point guard he can be the shooting guard at t- at times depending on the lineup but his role and responsibility is still to facilitate he's facilitating a level above what a traditional point guard can do because of his exceptional shooting and handle so it's like yeah you know what if you don't if you don't feel like it's fair to compare him to other point guards that's fine but that just means he's in a completely different category outside of any other traditional position that you would say he is. Even saying he's a combo guard doesn't truly do service. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't do justice to like his ability at the outlier level that he's able to do a lot of things in terms of finishing at the rim, shooting the ball, shooting the ball off the dribble, handling the ball, passing setting up other teammates it's way more complicated than what a traditional guy is doing because of the threat of him being able to shoot off the dribble he's shooting 45 percent from three on pull-up um threes this year that is the highest it's ever been in his career and that's like crazy to think about because a lot of guys aren't up there anyway but the fact that he's up there and he's still able to go back to being a traditional point guard it flows within the game I see parts of the game where Steph isn't really like he's playing off ball but he's still the primary person creating the play so maybe we don't have the word to describe what he is maybe that's what it is because if you're looking at it through oh this is how the game has always been I think that's fair but I think it's also fair That we might need to evolve and move past some of these this old terminology because even someone like draymond right you could say oh draymond's not a center but it's like he plays at center or he can he can guard centers but he can also play like a point forward so it's like do we take away the fact that he still can play at center away from him and the fact that he can guard other centers and guard the four does that just not count because he's not a traditional center i don't think that's fair if we're saying that this is that player's position relative to the positions that we've used in the history of our game his position is so different than maybe any other center that's played in the league so Mm -hmm. i just think i don't think there's Like, I just feel like the way that some people argue it is that, like, because he's not a point guard, he's less than this player or that player. I just don't agree with that because I think, okay, let's say he's not traditional. He's still better than whoever, like, you're putting him against most of the time. So they're like, oh, this person's a better point guard. Okay, are they a better traditional point guard? Maybe, but does that mean they're a better player? no because the way Steph impacts the game is far beyond what the traditional point guard can do because they weren't able to shoot the ball like him so it's almost like some people are penalizing the fact that he doesn't fit into a box relative to other players that's where the disconnect is for me
1: what i'm what what i agree with that rj is bringing to the table as opposed to what you know some fans are Taking it to the extreme by saying that he's a lesser player than other people. Okay, I'm separating this from I'm separating greatness and just the way you play. Okay, those are two different things. So the way he plays, whether him being whether him whether him being a point guard or him being more of a shooting guard. Okay, and his play style. I'm not using that to critique to critique how well he impacts the game and how dangerous he is and how potent he is on the offensive end. That's 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 a totally different discussion. His greatness, his impact on the court, and how good if he how good he is as a player, and um, how far ahead of you know everyone else that he goes up against. Okay, that's a different conversation. What I'm kind of nitpicking and taking away with what Richard is talking about is strictly just the style, just strictly like his priorities. Like, that he, like, within his own mindset, in his own personal game plan going into games, what he's comfortable, what he's uncomfortable, or, well, he's not uncomfortable with anything, but what he's more comfortable than other things doing, what his priorities are, you know, going into the offensive scheme and going into the offensive game plan that him, himself, and the rest of the team have set in motion, okay, I'm taking all these things into account, and I'm using that to determine if he fits more of that shooting guard role or that point guard role. Now, if we're going to start with the point guard position, like if we just start with point guard first, we can get, before we even get to shooting guard, if we're starting with the point guard first, does you know we can we can break it down from a skill from a skill per skill per perspective. He's the second best ball handler in the league. The only person I think that's a better ball handler than him is Ky- is Kyrie Irving. I don't think there's anyone else in the league who can handle the ball without getting it without getting it stolen, without dribbling it off his foot, or just flat out losing it in any shape or form. I think he's the second best ball handler in the league behind Kyrie Irving. Passing his his ability his ability to make difficult passes. So you have vision and you have ability. The vision, like is your ability to see, open, to see open lanes, to to find open passing lanes, to actually, to to see to see angles and openings that are there that other players wouldn't be able to see. Things that to a guy like me would would seem very tight and almost impossible to get through, but for a guy like Steph, it's wide open because of how well he because of how well he sees those angles, how precise he can gauge and measure. You know how tight that window is or how how much room he has to work with in those angles, and then you have your passing ability, which is your ability to get the ball from point A to point B. Slides away from the point guard position. Now we go to his, his, his ability to play as a shooting guard. In my opinion, this is why I agree with Richard, because, yes, as even though Steph can thrive in that point guard position as you know, a, as, as a, as a, a dual-threat point guard who can both score and run the offense, as a shooting guard because of the fact that he his best in my in my opinion the best the best attribute of his game his his ability to move off ball and score off the ball coming off screens which which if you if you really pay attention to Steph's off ball movement it's so good and it's so it it's 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 so unique to just Steph and how he moves separate <laughs> from how Steph is so good at moving off the ball that he's created, like they've they like within the Golden State's entire offensive scheme, they've created plays, they've created rotations and movements, specifically just catered to Steph because of how well he moves off ball, and because of certain paths and certain trajectories that he's created as an off ball as an like as a as a off ball scorer to get open and find open looks. He's so creative with how he moves off ball. He's created different angles, different screen, different screen actions, different ways of cutting the 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 play that him and that him and Clay run. That's literally unguardable because if you if you stick to either one of them, the other one's going to be open for a three. Oh yeah.
0: They, yeah.
1: That 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 play of whenever they wrap their arms together.
0: Oh yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they
1: like do like a like a low 180, and whoever breaks off first is who you got to go chase, and you don't know who it's going to be. Because Clay can shoot it and Steph can shoot it. So you basically have to just sit there and like one of those little game, like one of those little arcade games, you got to time it and just wait for whoever breaks off and go chase him. Because if you think it's going to be Steph and then Clay breaks off, well, you're screwed. Clay's going to knock down the wide open shot. Vice versa if it's Steph. But that's strictly from Steph. Like Steph, I guarantee you Steph was the one who, who thought, like who had the, the creativity and the mind to like create that play for like for the both of them
0: so and here's, there's, like, here's that's my just question one example. here's my question so i don't disagree with with that but my thing is there's not point guards or shooting guards that can do all of what he does which is why i don't even think it's fair to call him a combo guard like because there are other combo guards that still can't do they don't have the whole package and i feel like there is some assists that he get that might not be traditional point guard assists, but they still are. Those hockey assists, I think, are underrated. I wish they were counted because that's creating for your teammates a different way. That's why I don't feel like if we're talking about what the role of a point guard is to do, he's still doing that. Even if he is off ball, off ball more than people who are playing shooting guards who are usually setting themselves up, he's setting up for himself and other people like that's a completely different level than most guys who play the shooting guard position are doing so he's Mm -hmm. thinking with the offensive mind of a point guard and can switch into yeah so he's like still thinking in terms of playmaking while he's moving off ball rather than it just be kind of like clay like sometimes he can move off ball for like a play for the whole team but usually it's to kind of set himself up to like catch and shoot Steph isn't setting himself up to just catch and shoot like some traditional point guards it's for the the entire offense he's the only
1: well he's the only player in the league that can do that because you have to you have to like like for him to be able to do that it's it's the fear it's the fear that he has as a shooter and as a scorer every time that they every time that he peels off you have to honor him. You can't cheat him and just take that dare or that risk of of trying to go o- over the screen or go under, like vice versa, whichever way he picks to roll off of that screen and to to cut off of that angle to get an open shot. You can't cheat him and try to beat him there or try to cut halfway or cut ties and cut corners. You have right. to honor him and you gotta you gotta follow him step by step and and. Ma- and, and maintain that, like, that distance, that close right. distance between you and him. That frees up so many more opportunities for his teammates. If Draymond sets a screen, if Draymond sets a screen for Steph to come off, off, of a, off of a pin down, off of a, a, sc- a screen on the baseline for a, a wide open three at the wing, like more times than not, both defenders are going go to go after Steph because right. they have to account for him and they have to honor him before they honor Draymond. They'll live with Draymond. But then but what that turns into is that you're living with every single one of his teammates right. because he's going to do that with every single, with all four other guys on the court. All four other guys are going to get opportunities to get wide-open looks, wide-open angles to cut to the basket because they have to honor Steph and they have to chase him down on everything. That sometimes they'll double and they'll cheat whether they mean to or they don't. And those they'll, they'll overcommit and they'll send both defenders because they're both trying to ensure that he's locked down and they chase him down and they stop him from getting the shot off and they leave the the screen man wide open like wide open with ten foot ten plus feet of space to do whatever he wants. He catches it and that's a dump and then next thing you know the rotation's out of order and the whole defense is screwed and then Golden State can just go from there because they're they're best in the half court offensive offensive set like that. So it's the fact that he's chaos. the only person. He's the only person in the league that can essentially create assists Mm -hmm. without having the ball in his hands.
0: Like, there's no one else that can do that. Okay, since we both understand that, that is why I say, like, maybe we don't have a position to describe him. And I think that's okay because when you have these people that come along and completely shift how things are done, sometimes in that moment, people just don't know what it is. So they either dislike it or they try to stay away from it or they're like oh well this isn't how it's traditionally done so we're gonna like put it somewhere else i feel like the chaos that he causes on the court with his willingness to sacrifice his own shots that's kind of what you're making me think about because he's essentially sacrificing even more offense that he can do he's just so efficient and so proficient at shooting that the shots he is taking because he doesn't have like a high field goal attempts per game the shots he is taking he's just making them so much that it looks like he's scoring a lot when he's really not like scoring like a traditional score that's like going out to look for their own he's still having that mentality of setting other guys up off ball but he's at the same time he could still keep scoring but instead of doing that he's sacrificing more offense or more shooting that he could do for setting other guys up and manipulating the defense which i feel like at the end of the day point guards do that that's they want to manipulate the defense to create advantages for their teammates so the last thing was just about zion um he's going to continue rehabbing and conditioning and monitor him so I don't he even know if gumbo the the, bro. oh my G- Lord Jesus I just feel like he might maybe the way his body is made up maybe it's just not meant for him to play basketball like with the impact it has on your knees and all that like a fucking dude at least if he was playing that he wouldn't I don't think it would be as much worse on his ligaments as it is with basketball so I mean, know,
1: yeah, but like, think about it. Like, he he'll be taking more like physical. Like, he'll be getting hit more. Well, I think it would probably be around like two. I think his sweet spot would be two sixty or two fifty five. That's a solid. That's a solid twenty five to twenty pounds. If you if he were to lose twenty pounds of weight of of muscle, where he's still lean, and he's still strong, but he's just gonna weigh twenty pounds less. I feel like we. Well, I, I don't think he'll deal with the risk of having to get or having to endure those injuries, you know, like ever again. I mean, not to say that it's the chance of that happening is never going to be there again, but it will be reduced at such a, you know, at such a percentage. Because of the fact that a lot of that weight that's the cause and effect of him, you know, busting his knee up will be, you know, cut off. It will be reduced. So if I'm him, drop down to 240 and just work your way up until you feel comfortable in both departments. You feel strong enough and you feel light enough. There's a balance to everything. And I think his I think his perfect weight would be two, 255 to 260. 255 to 260 is still is still from a weight from a weight percentage still bigger than a decent portion of the leagues. So you'll you'll be stronger and bigger than most guys. There'll be a couple of guys that will be bigger, bigger and heavier than you, but I mean doesn't mean that they'll it, it, even then it doesn't mean that they'll 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 outbody you if you know how to use your body better than they do that that has nothing to do with weight if you just know how to use your body better than they do then you can make up for it there as well and he does he 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 knows how to physically use his body to outplay like his his competition right so i'm i'm not worried about about Zion's game or his effectiveness on the court like Dropping or becoming lower if he were to get skinnier again. If and it's not necessarily like getting skinnier. He's not going back to his high school weight when he was like two thirty or two forty. He's not losing fifty pounds. He just needs to lose. If he loses twenty, a solid twenty, maybe twenty five. If he feels comfortable doing it, then I think he. I think he come back looking better than he's looked in the league so
0: far. He'll still. He'll he's still be been dominant. Like. Huh? It- and he's been great it's just the hell he's been amazing he i mean he came into the
1: league and he was putting up immediately he was putting up like 26 to 27 a game off of center center like field goal percentages as a small forward it was nice he's not even a front court player he's a backcourt player <laughs> it was nasty. And he's, and he's shooting like 60 plus percent from the field because they can't they physically can't like take the beating that he puts on them he drives in the lane and lowers his shoulder and jumps into you, and then Dominique, like, off two feet, windmills it on your head. You can't do anything about it. You just can't. Like, you can't do anything about it.
0: And the so, athleticism like, is just, like, it's off the charts. And he can shoot, too. Like, And,
1: he can... he's, yeah, he, he's, he's improved his, his ability to shoot since he's been in the league. Because uh, when, when he was in high school, he was, a, he was a garbage shooter. But, I mean, since he has got to the league, he's gotten better. He has ball handling ability. He has passing ability. He can defend. The versatility
0: is amazing. You're not guarding that, like yeah. You're, you're and then the, on defense, like I was looking at the high school highlights. Like, I mean, if he's lighter, man, like him on defenses. Him on defense. I would say what, like, dare I say, like Draymond in terms of like, you know, how prime Draymond was, like blocking threes all the time like I could easily see that like we saw him doing that in like college he would be
1: but It would be a better it, 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 now here's the thing the separator between him and Draymond is that Draymond is a willing defender Draymond Draymond will take the assignment of guarding the best player every single possession and he's also the defensive anchor he runs he runs the entire defensive scheme Zion is a great individual defender he's not a he he's not going to run the entire team's defensive scheme mm-hmm. though um one he doesn't he doesn't want that responsibility he's an offensive player number one and number two he's not he doesn't have as an as a defender when it comes to his intellect and like his understanding of defense dream yeah. one is a dream one is a little bit smarter but nat like as a natural defender like his like his effective field of range to block to steal like like every like his whole bubble that he has like in effect because of how high he can jump, how fast he is, how big he is. He has a huge range of, of everything in space that he can affect. And he's he when he chooses to be, he can actually be a great defender. Right. He understands defense and when he chooses to not be lazy and to actually commit to playing defense and like actually locking down his his opponent, he's actually a really good defender. The, but that's his—that's his, that's his issue—is you know the willingness to sacrifice and do that on a consistent basis.
0: He—he
1: mm-hmm. he reminds me a lot of—I actually, this is a great comparison. I would compare him, not at the not at the same level because he was a he's a better defender than than Zion is whenever he was in Miami. But LeBron, when LeBron was in Miami, I feel like that's closer to. A comparison for him because because if we like we because if we back over miami like lebron was it lebron was a great defender and he could have won and he should have won defensive player of the year uh over marcus all that year it was like 2014 or something but like lebron lebron like was the best defender like in the league when he was in miami like without question in my opinion, he was the best defender in the league because he could guard one through five. He was strong enough and uh, durable enough to hang with, with yes. fives and fours, like consistently, not just for like one play to bail them out and then never do it again for the rest of the game. Like, if you wanted to, like multiple times, like repeatedly, he can right. go down there and guard the fours and fives. And he was quick enough and agile enough, had the footwork, and was intelligent enough to guard the guys on the perimeter. So... Like Zion reminds me of that, but like in terms of what he's capable of doing on defense, but he also reminds me of LeBron because in Miami, LeBron wasn't always willing to defend. Right. He was more he was more willing than Zion is right now, which is why he came close to winning DPOI. But there still were times. I mean, I remember watching the I remember watching games. There still were times where LeBron did take plays off. He would take plays off. He, he might even take games off or he wouldn't really he wouldn't really try to you know impose himself on defense or he wouldn't go out and try to guard the best uh player for uh you know the opposing team. And he was kind of coast and just kind of chill. Um but when the time came LeBron would absolutely like every single play like get it done. He 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 he'd, he'd do his best on defense. Um but that's that's my comparison for Zion. I feel like he kind of has that LeBron mold where yeah, his capability is off the charts. He can guard any position. He's big enough and quick enough, so nobody can like. There's nobody. There's nobody that's safe from getting stopped by Zion. Right. Nobody in the league. There's nobody that's safe from that. You can't. There's nobody big enough to outbig him, and there's nobody quick enough to outmaneuver him. Mm-hmm. So you're not. You're you're. You, you, you're you're screwed either way just because of his body and how gr- good of a defender he is when he applies himself but his his issue is you know his late not laziness but just you know does he want to defend like at, do you want to be great as a defender right. as a as a defender do you want to excel do you want to impose your will and do you want to be even more so a threat as a basketball player on the court not just being a dominant offensive player and getting 28 scoring 60 percent from the field and getting 10 rebounds and dunking on guys but do you also want to be even more dangerous and even more feared Zion could be one of, could be the best two-way player in the one of the best two-way players in the league Easily. like if he were to apply himself on defense the same way that a guy like Giannis does Ooh, it'd be him, Giannis and Embiid those would be like and and Jalen Brown and and who else? Those like those would be they, those would be the best two-way players in the league. Zion would be top five, like like conversation for best two-way players in the league. Him, Giannis, Embiid, Kawhi, and who did I say? Um, Jalen Brown for, for the guards. Like like those would be the best two-way players in the league. And Zion's capable of that. He's a hundred percent capable of that.